Well, we're in the presidential primary season. Joy, oh joy. <laughs> and if you're in a few of the key early states of the primaries, you're going to be bombarded with a barrage of political commercials telling you how this person is the greatest thing since sliced bread while their opponent is a budding antichrist. Here in Kansas, fortunately, our primary comes so late in the season that we're spared most of those commercials. But yet, you'll see the political debates, you'll catch the slogans, you'll hear about the promises, and you'll watch as the candidates try to one-up one another. The New Hampshire primary was uh, 10 days ago, a couple Tuesdays ago. And uh, as Paul suggests, you know, not every winner wins the race. There's only one that received the love from the electorate there in New Hampshire. The other persons are left to lick their wounds and have their campaign teams try to spin the lost into a Pyrrhic victory. Or in the case of uh, President Biden, your campaign finds 50,000 write-in ballots so that you squeak out a win against the little-known representative Phillips. But the races, that's what they're called. A presidential campaign primary is called a race. And it's because the candidates are scurrying from this place to that place, trying to search for votes. The two primary metaphors used are that of a horse race or a boxing match, right? To wit, the media handicaps the, the candidates. The voters bet on which one will win. If a candidate is out in the lead, they are said to be the front runner. And if they're way out in head, they are said to be lapping the field. If the race is close, they are said to be neck and neck. And telling us that maybe this uh, election will come down to the wire. As the candidates turn the corner after the primaries and the conventions, they are said to be in the home stretch. At debates... The candidates usually come out swinging, looking for that knockout blow. And if they're way behind, they may just simply throw in the towel. You get the point. There's a lot at stake in these presidential campaigns, not only for the candidates, but for the country, because whoever wins determines a lot about our country's future. In our epistle lesson from the ninth chapter of 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about uh, sanctification. The middle chapters of chapter of Corinthians aren't the easiest to preach on because they do focus on sanctification, living the holy life. Life after being, having received the gifts of faith, Forgiveness, conversion, and salvation. Sanctification just doesn't have the pizzazz, the uh, emotional energy, the thrill of hearing about God's surprising and unlimited love. 
but I'm going to attempt it anyway so that you all have the whole counsel of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul encourages his readers to holy living, sanctification. And notice what two metaphors he uses in that epistle lesson. The same two, running a race and boxing. These are metaphors that we easily can relate to. And Paul uses them to give us some primary lessons then about how to live the life of faith, living with integrity, passion, and purpose for the sake of the gospel. So, primary lesson number one, Paul says, run to win. That seems obvious, of course. I mean, why enter a race if you don't intend to win? But you have to come down and think about it. What does it mean to win? Paul is telling us that winning is not about status or accomplishments or the shape of your office. Instead, winning means finishing the race in faith, living the holy life. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul uses his own life and conduct and experience and tells his readers that his actions and choices were there not for personal pleasure or status, but to do the will of the Father, which is preach the gospel. In other words, winning is about having the crucified and risen Christ as your Lord and Savior. Winning is about running the race with grace. Winning, according to Paul, is striving toward that goal in faith. And Paul continues to run that race so as to win others as well, leading them to the prize of eternal life. When we see candidates in in our political primaries vying with one another with gotcha statements or um, with skewed statistics, we may wonder whether character has much to do with the race. And Paul says, yeah, um, Character has things to do with it because um, not everyone wins the prize. And that's his point. Not everyone wins the prize. There are different prizes out there. Some prizes matter more than others. While offices or titles or money, those are perishable prizes. But Paul invites everyone from candidates to regular people like us to run the race so that we may win the prize that is imperishable, eternal life with our Lord and Savior and having our lives gathered around that goal. So primary lesson number two, exercise self-control, says Paul. How do you know that you're on the right track, doing the right things? Well, Paul, again, brings up the idea of competition there. 
It's all in the training. Paul says all athletes exercise self-control, verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 9. To win, Paul says, athletes have to train. They train diligently so that they can win the prize. A boxer or a runner has a goal in mind. And to reach that goal successfully, you have to train. And training involves exercising self-control. Denying yourself those items, those attitudes, those indulgences that may derail you from winning the prize. And Scripture says that uh, one of the things, or the main thing that can derail us are idols. You know, things that we put before God. Idols can certainly derail us from winning the prize of faith. Runners get up early in the morning, even when their bodies want more rest. Boxers uh, deny themselves sweets so that they can maintain the proper fighting weight. Again, they do these things to exercise self-control so that they can win the prize. We know, again, using our political metaphor that we've been talking about, we know how a lack of self-control can cause a candidate to crash and burn. Uh, for those of us who are old enough, uh, we remember how uh, President Biden's uh, 1986 presidential run was derailed by his plagiarism of Neil Kinnock. Uh, we remember in 2008, John Edwards' campaign derailed by his affair. And uh, you could argue that Hillary Clinton's campaign was derailed by her destruction of federal property in the BlackBerry and computer. You see, a lack of self-control can derail even the most gifted person. That's why St. Paul says, I punish my body and enslave it in order that nothing distracts me from the mission that is at hand, the mission of running the race in faith toward the end. Discipline, self-control is a part of our spiritual life as well. Isn't that why we call them spiritual disciplines? Prayer, daily Bible reading, Fasting, since we're coming up on Lent, um, and daily acts of compassion. Those all orient our hearts and our minds toward Christian living. Primary lesson number three, live with a purpose. It seems so often that a candidate's um, approaches the, uh, the office or the, the race with idealism only to have it crushed by reality. They enter the swamp and then they soon compromise, um, saying and doing those things that will get them elected or re-elected. Um, Again, uh, doing those things, you know, if your primary focus is to please your donors, then you do what is pragmatic rather than what is purposeful. Again, Paul uses the competition metaphor. He says, I do not run aimlessly, nor do I box 
as though beating the air. Runners have a goal in mind, the finish line. They don't just run and all over the place. There's a goal. Boxers, in their training, uh, eventually have to make contact if they are going to be successful. They can't just throw punches in the air. Listening to the crowds, listening to their opinions, whether positive or negative, can lead to atrophy. As coach Buddy Ryan was fond of saying, if you listen to the fans, you'll soon end up sitting there with them. Paul would not let the criticism of some in Corinth derail him from living his purpose, which was preaching the gospel. Paul knew that his mission was proclaiming Christ crucified and risen from the dead to all who would hear him. He was so much so that he was willing to adapt his approach to um, contact and to win different people groups, as the epistle lesson illustrates. Again, Paul was not about pleasing the constituency. Paul was about pleasing God. You and I have been gifted and equipped uniquely for a mission within the body of Christ with the purpose of transforming the world. Our loyalties lie first and only with God and doing his will. Just like Jesus was singularly focused on doing the will of the Father. And you know where that led Jesus to the cross because he refused to please certain people. Paul himself was imprisoned many times and suffered much for the sake of the gospel. But nothing, nothing could deter either of those from doing the will of the Father. After all the campaigns and promises and political ads, come November, someone will win. But our race is not finished in November. Our race doesn't end until either God calls the world to the end or calls us to the end. Either way, Paul tells us, who have been called by grace, who have had our names written in the book of life, to run the race in such a way that pleases God. That is what makes you a winner.